0: Great job, kids worship team. Thank you. Well, I want to uh, welcome you uh, this morning. My name is John, uh, one of the pastors on staff here at Daybreak. And uh, summer uh, has always been my favorite time of year. How many of you summer is like the best time of year in your opinion? Okay. Yeah, I think first service it was about half the crowd as well, uh, where you just, you just love summer. And I love I love the warmer temperatures. I love the opportunity to... Uh, hopefully go to the beach at some point, or at least on vacation at some point. Um, I love uh, how the days get longer, and the, you know, it's 9 o'clock at night, it's still a little bit light out. Uh, just, uh, for me, it's just a time of year that I just, I just enjoy uh, just a great deal, and I love how it, it breaks up the routine that, that happens during the rest of the year. It's kind of like a fresh start in some ways a way to adopt some new patterns and that kind of thing. And, and so uh, one of the questions that we're going to talk about today and throughout the summer is this question of in in the midst of this summer routine, in the midst of this new, these, some of these new patterns that can develop over, over the course of the summer, how are we going to choose to live? Because we can just kind of go along with the same pace of life that we normally go along with and just find new ways to be busy or uh, new ways to just run ourselves ragged, either from trying to accomplish uh, as many projects as we possibly can, or uh, through trying to um, uh, experience as much fun as possible, or go to as many places as possible because we finally have some free time, that kind of thing. Or in my family, uh, we're going to have a baby this this summer, and so we're finding a new way to, to run ourselves ragged. Uh, but what we want to do at, at, at Daybreak this this summer is to encourage us uh, to to make space this summer for God to to speak to us, to tell us some things that he wants us to hear about who we are, about who he is. And it's just a great chance because you're getting into some new rhythms into a new season to, to, take, to get a fresh start and to, to be able to reprioritize what God maybe, maybe want to uh, say to you. So uh, we're hoping that this summer series facilitates that a little bit. We have a, a, a short video clip from Carmen Biggs, who's one of our staff members, to kind of intro you, tell you a little bit about the series that we're kicking off today.
1: Hi, I'm Carmen. I'm director of Catalyst Ministries here at Daybreak, and I just wanted to give you a quick preview of what we have coming up this summer at Daybreak. Through the weekend service series this summer, we're going to be taking a look at the books of 1st and 2nd Peter, and we're doing a series called Living Between Two Worlds. And the reason that we're calling it Living Between Two Worlds, because in these two particular letters, um, Peter really addresses that tension that we live in as followers of Christ, as we live as citizens of this world, at the same time we're living as citizens of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And so through these two letters that Peter writes, we really take a look at how do we live out that tension as we live between these two worlds. It's going to be a great series with lots of good stuff to dive into. And not only do I hope that you'll come out on the weekend services and engage engage there, but I also hope that you'll engage with God personally this summer as well. To help you do that, we have a couple resources, one of which is our Living Between Two Worlds bookmark. On the front, it just gives you the weekly titles of the the messages that we'll be preaching and also the specific scriptures that we'll be looking at each week. Um, That way, you can read that scripture before you come to church on Sunday morning, or maybe you'll be on vacation one week and you won't be able to make it to Sunday church. You can then read it on your own and still continue to track with the series. On the back of the bookmark we have a memory verse for you as well as a prayer pattern that you can engage in this summer. Another resource that I'm recommending this summer is the Spiritual Disciplines Handbook. Great book, um, very practical tool for you to engage with God personally. Just helps you make some sense of spiritual practices. You don't read this book from beginning to end like you would a normal book, but instead it truly is a handbook, or you flip to whichever practice it is that you'd like to to learn a little bit more about, and it gives you some really practical instruction of how you can connect with God in a very, very real way. And so I hope you'll pick up a copy of that. It's available for purchase either at Ministry Central at Good Hope Road or in the Resource Center at Gettysburg Pike. I would love for you to pick up a copy of that. I really hope that you'll be able to engage with God this summer um, because I think that's what's going to make it a great summer for all of us.
0: So that that video clip yesterday actually went out to all Daybreak members via an email called the Snapshot. So if you're a member of Daybreak and you didn't get this email called the Snapshot, then uh, if you write that on your response card today, we'll make sure you get it. It's just something that gets sent out every once in a while with a few different video clips of people telling you about uh, some of the things that are happening. Uh, But as Carmen just said, we are going to be uh, kicking off today a series called Living Between Two Worlds. And today what we're going to do is focus on uh, the uh, disciple whose name was Peter. We're going to be talking a little bit about his story, and he's the one that wrote these two letters then that we're going to be studying throughout the summer together. I actually want to ask you to go ahead and pull out your outline, uh, which will really help you follow along today. But if you could also pull out that bookmark that Carmen was talking about really quickly, I just want to draw your attention to that. Um, on the one on the one side, it lists all of the weeks of the series, uh, all eleven or so. I believe it's eleven weeks, along with the scripture that's associated with them. And so, if you're somebody who's gone a lot over the summer, it's just a gr- a great way to still stay uh, stay connected with what's happening. Uh, if you're here every week, it's it's a good tool to help follow along, and maybe you'll read uh, a passage before you get here on Sunday, something like that. But then, if you're if if you're gone and you want to, uh, you miss some weeks. You can follow the scripture, and then also you could download uh, on the Daybreak Church app, you could listen to some of the messages that happen. It's just a way for you to be able to stay connected over the course of the summer uh, to, what's, to what we're all, all studying together. And then on the back of the, of the bookmark is um, a memory verse and a prayer pattern. We're going to talk a little bit about those uh, a little bit later on. So uh, I just want to take a minute and pray for us, and then we'll start, we'll, we'll talk through this outline a little bit. God, I thank you uh, today for who you are. And I thank you uh, for each person who's here today. And we all, uh, we all come today from, from different places uh, with different uh, things going on in our lives. And I, I just invite you uh, to speak to us in some new ways today. I pray that uh, wherever we are today, uh, whatever our relationship with you is like, I pray that today we would, we would uh, be challenged uh, to take a new step with you and be reminded of, of your love for us. So I ask you to speak to us uh, about uh, who you are as we uh, learn from uh, this man uh, whose name was Peter. We praise you today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you'll open your outline there to the first, uh, inside the first page, the first blank there is this. It's, encountering Jesus helps me see that I've lived all over the map. Encountering Jesus helps me see that I've lived all over the map. One of, the, uh, one of the most interesting people in the New Testament, if you've ever read any, any uh, parts of the Bible, the New Testament, one of the most interesting people is Simon. He's also referred to as uh, Peter, Simon Peter. Uh, and he was one of Jesus' uh, disciples, probably his most famous, most well-known disciple because he was involved in a lot of the action that took place, a lot of the famous stories that happened with Jesus and his disciples. A lot of times Peter was like right at the center of a lot of that action. And so the, the three or so years that Jesus and his disciples spent together that are recorded in the Gospels, a lot of times it's Peter that's like at the forefront of some of the things that took place. And, and you know, if you're familiar at all with the story of Peter and his life, you know that his story had all kinds of ups and downs. It was all over the map. He was somebody who was unpredictable. Like You, you, you weren't quite sure what he was going to do or say. He was, he was a scattered guy um, he was a rough and aggressive, and sometimes he was one of those people that sometimes like, didn't quite, was, was speaking words that he shouldn't say. Like, he didn't quite have the filter tuned up high enough. You know, how do you know those people? Yeah. How do you are those people? No, never mind. So, but he was this guy where he had a lot of like, really great moments of courage and strength where he just showed uh, his desire to follow Jesus came shining through. But then he had other moments where he was weak and where, where he failed and where he really struggled in his relationship with God. And so when it comes to his journey with Jesus, he was he was all over the map. Now, before we read a, a piece of his story, I want to talk about some of those, the, the background of, of, of who he was, what some of those points on that map were for him. I'm going to test your knowledge a little bit. Um, how many of you know, or can anybody tell me what Peter's profession was? Does anybody know? A fisherman. Yes, he was a fisherman. So uh, he and his brother Andrew, they were fishermen, and so there was a profession that was a very physical profession. He spent a lot of long hours in this profession that was very hands-on It required a very strong work ethic, and it was dirty and taxing and exhausting physically. And according to Matthew, they were, Peter and Andrew were the first disciples that Jesus actually chose and, said, and asked to come follow him. And it says that when he approached them, when Jesus came up to them while they were fishing and said, hey, I want you guys to drop your nets and follow me because I want to make you fishers of men. It says that they did that immediately. It says they immediately dropped their nets and they followed him. Peter was also the disciple who Jesus invited to step out out of the boat onto the water. If you're familiar with the story where Jesus was walking on water towards the disciples, Peter was the one that, that stepped out of the boat, took a couple steps onto the water, and then all of a sudden looked at the wind and the waves around him and, and, and got fearful and started to sink, right? And so Jesus pulls him up out of the water and says, why did you doubt me? Why didn't you trust me? Why did you have such little faith? So Peter was a, a big part of that story as well. He was the one who spoke the truth of Jesus' identity. The, the, uh, he, he was the one that confessed. When Jesus said, who, who do people say that I am? Like, who? Who are people talking about me? Who do you guys say that I am? Peter was the one that says that you are, the, he said, I believe you are the Christ, that you're the, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus told Peter that he was blessed because God had revealed that to him. And then when it, when it, when, uh, it got time uh, for, it was getting close to the crucifixion and things were getting tense and intense, Peter was the one that Jesus got frustrated with because he, he fell asleep while Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, when Jesus predicted that Peter was going to deny knowing him, Peter said, no way, I would never deny you. I would, I would follow you to my death. And then just a few hours later, on three different occasions, people pointed at him and said, aren't you one of Jesus' followers? And, Peter, and, and Jesus, uh, Peter looked at them and said, no, I don't even know who Jesus is. So Peter, and those are just a couple of pieces of Peter's story that you may or may not be familiar with. But the point is this, he was all over the place. Like when it came to his relationship with God, he was all over the place. He, at times, he was brave and committed and strong. At other times, he was cowardly and fearful, and even got to the place where he was like, "Look, I don't even know who this Jesus person is." And there are a couple of things that when I when I look at, at Peter's story, there are a couple of things I love about it, and and one of those things is that it mirrors our own stories. When we think about uh, when we read about Peter, we see uh, his story. In our own. When it comes to our own journeys with Jesus, we know we're all over the map. We're all, we're all over the place. Many of us know what it's like to trust God enough to, to leave our nets and to follow him. Many of us know what it's like to take steps of faith, but then to get fearful and to see uh, things around us and to start to doubt and, and cause us to begin to sink. Many of us know what it's like to confess to Jesus that he is the Christ, that we believe that he is the son of God, that we recognize the sacrifice he made on the cross, that he's Lord, and we accept his forgiveness and leadership. And many of us know what it's like when we're weak and afraid, when things get tough and we get to the point in one way or another where we end up saying, I don't really even know who Jesus is. And so I love this story. I love Peter's story because when I, when I read about him, I see myself there because I know I'm all over the map as well. And what we learn from Peter's story, which we're going to read here in a second, is that the good news is that no matter where we are on the map, no matter where you are on the map today when it comes to your journey with Jesus, Jesus is constantly there pursuing us and wanting to restore us in relationship with him. So let's take a look at, the, at this, uh, these uh, few verses there in your outline from John 21, what happens is Jesus was crucified, he rose from the dead, he resurrected from the dead, and he was visiting his followers on a couple of different occasions. And on one of these occasions, Jesus visited them while they were fishing. And uh, Jesus gives them some fishing advice, and they catch a whole bunch of fish, and then they sit down around a fire to have breakfast together. And then it says this, it says that after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Now, in this in this particular passage, we have a pretty pretty cool picture painted of the relationship that Jesus had uh, with Peter. He, they're, they're sitting there, uh, they're eating breakfast together around the fire, and, and there are a number of places in scripture where this type of fire is mentioned. And in a lot in most of those instances, there's there's some kind of uh, purification that happens relationally, or some kind of cleansing that takes place, or something important happens uh, when they're around this this fire, which we certainly see here between Peter and Jesus. And I've I've always loved campfires. How many of you guys are are campfire fans? You like you like campfires? Yeah, there's quite a, quite a few. And I, I like them in the I like them in the uh, the fall or the spring. But really, when I think of campfires, I think of summertime. And and for me, it's something that that, that I find them to be really relaxing and, and peaceful. And I've, I've, been, I've had a chance to be around a campfire a number of times. And I'm kind of the guy that just kind of sits there quietly and stares at the fire. I'm like the stare-at-fire guy. Um, and there's all different types of people at, uh, that, that show up at campfires. I want to see if you can identify any of these. Maybe you can figure out which one you are. Uh, there is, uh, there's the stare-at-the-fire guy. That's me. There's the we-should-sing-songs guy. All right? Or girl. Sorry, this is not very gender-friendly. Uh, here. Um, there's the holds-food-on-a-stick guy. Right, it doesn't matter what it is. They just like to, you know, is that lasagna? <laughs> you gotta hold on. No, um, there's the guy who likes to keep messing with the fire. Like no matter what happens, like he just can't leave it alone. He has to poke it with something or throw more wood on it or whatever. Uh, there's the pyro guy, right? The guy that just tries to find foreign objects and throw them in, and then gets this big grin on their face, trying to see what's going to happen with it. Um, there's the uh, swats at mosquitoes guy, uh, the covered in blankets guy. The jump over the fire guy, the smoke always follows him guy, right? No matter where they sit, they get up and move and the smoke's blown in their face now when they move the other way. And then the one that I, my favorite one is the where did he go guy, right? Like there's always that when you've been sitting around a fire, eventually like someone's missing and and nobody has any idea like when did they get up and leave, that kind of thing. So anyhow, (laughs) that is unrelated to what we're talking about. But I'm the guy who just kind of at at the campfire, I'm just the guy that likes to sit there. I like to sit there and to, to stare at the fire and to take in a few things and, and not really say a whole lot, although I've had, I have had some good conversations when I've been in that environment. But there's something about being there with like, uh, the, like the the warm, the, warm the, the humidity of the day has sort of died down a little bit. Uh, it's either dark outside or it's getting dusk. It's getting to the point where it's starting to get dark. And with the flames kind of burning a little bit and there's that, that crackling noise um, and all the different colors that you can see in the fire. And then when you're sitting with people, you can kind of see the light flickering on their faces and in their eyes and that kind of thing. And, there, and there's something about that moment where there's this unique, like, stillness or there's this unique uh, silence or slowing down that happens because there's, just, there's, there's, a lot few, there's, there's far fewer distractions than what are typically a part of my, my everyday life. That's why that, like, around a fire, like, scary stories or something, it was, right? There's scary, sc- scary story guy, right? Like, I forgot about that one. There's a scary story guy. But that's why stories are good, like when you're in that environment. Like nobody tells scary stories when they're sitting around the dinner table, right? Like, or if you're watching the football game at halftime, nobody says, Hey, you want to hear a scary story? Right? That's like creepy. Right? Like, like, no, I don't. But around a fire, there's something about that because everybody's attention is there. There's a there's a we've eliminated some distractions that are taking place. And so it's a good, it's a good time for some listening to, to take place. And so When we read this story about Jesus with a few of his disciples and with Peter sitting there around this fire eating breakfast together, that's the type of thing that that I picture in my mind, that type of environment. Not many distractions, a, a, a pretty still, a pretty quiet moment. And they're probably sitting there thinking back to all the things that had just taken place where Jesus had been arrested and beaten and crucified and resurrected. And so all of these things, this may be one of the first quiet moments that they've had since all of those things had taken place. And it's in that moment that that I picture Jesus looking over to Peter with both of them having the the fire reflecting in their eyes. And Jesus says to him what? He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? He says, do you love me more than these? And there's a lot of, uh, we're not exactly sure what the these means. When Jesus says that, there's a lot of different thoughts about it. Some people think it means, that he was saying, do you love me more than, these other, than you love these other disciples? Some people think he was saying, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? But what I think Jesus say, is saying to Peter is, do you love me more than these fish and these fishing nets and these fishing boats and this fishing lifestyle that you are experiencing? Do you love me more than these? Because remember, when, when Jesus first called Peter, when he first called him and invited him to follow him, what was Peter doing? Fishing, right? He was fishing because he was a fisherman. And now, after following Jesus for three years, after betraying him, Jesus ends up crucified and resurrected. What does Peter do? He goes right back to what he knows, and he starts fishing again. He just started fishing again. And so Jesus is talking to Peter in this moment around the campfire, and he says to him, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? And how many times does he ask him? Three. And how many times did Peter deny him? Three, right? And so it's not a coincidence. So, What Jesus is doing here is he's reinstating Peter. He's getting him ready for the next stage of the journey. And he's once again calling him. He's saying, look, I want you to step away from the fisherman thing again. I'm calling you to something new. I'm calling you to, as Jesus says, feed and care for my sheep, which we know are, 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 is about caring for the people that are following Jesus, the other people that are following him. And so my question to to you and to me this morning is this, and you may want to write this somewhere in your outline, is will you make time this summer? Will you make time this summer for some campfire moments with Jesus? Will you make time this summer for campfire moments with Jesus? Will you intentionally set aside some time? As you're looking ahead, it's June 1st, right? Yeah, June 1st. If, if you look at the next three months, you're looking ahead at the next three months, will you be intentional in, in, as you move into the new patterns, the new things that are going to happen? All of the Over half of us said this is the best time of year. I love summer. When you look ahead at those things, when you look towards those, will you intentionally set aside some time this summer to be with Jesus, to allow him to, to ask you some questions, to allow him to speak to you and invite you to maybe something new like he did here uh, with Peter? And if you're not sure what those moments could look like, if that idea of, of sitting at a campfire to Jesus, with Jesus just sounds kind of odd, that's why Carmen mentioned in that video uh, this book about spiritual disciplines. And it talks about a whole bunch of different kinds in here, uh, from everything from journaling to spending some time on, in silence and solitude uh, to getting together with an accountability partner to serving some people in need. And it, it, it's just a bunch of different ways that you and I, uh, could make space, do something intentional to make space for God to speak to us, what, whatever it is that he might want to say, however he might want to challenge us. And so, if you're like me and you look back on the past year of life, you look back on the, this, this past, even just the last six to nine months, I feel like when I look at that, I've been all over the map. Like, in life, in my relationship with, with Jesus, in my journey with him, like, I've been all over the map. And so what, what you may need to do, to do this summer and what I know that I need to do this summer is to carve out a few moments where we make space to have a campfire conversation with Jesus about what's happening in our life. And it's what Peter needed. It's what Peter desperately needed to, to, to move on from what he had just been through in his relationship with Jesus to what he was calling him to next. And so when we encounter Jesus, we come to see how we've been all over the map and how like like Peter, we need to to get back on on track again. Which brings us to the second point there uh, in your outline, which is this. Encountering Jesus helps me see that, number two, I need the Holy Spirit's navigation. I need the Holy Spirit's navigation. So, after this campfire conversation that we just read about, uh, Jesus was eating his, with his disciples and he was talking to them about uh, the, uh, the Holy Spirit, how the whole, the whole, he was going to send the Holy Spirit uh, to be with them and how this Holy Spirit was going to empower them to be his witnesses uh, all, all over the place. Like it says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, which basically just means everywhere. You're going to go everywhere as my witnesses and tell people about who, about who Jesus is. And then it says that Scripture tells us that Jesus ascended into heaven and then it's at this point where we start to see Peter really step up in his leadership. We see this, that this campfire conversation that Jesus had had, there's like a corner that gets turned there, and Peter really starts to step up to the plate uh, in his leadership. And he leads the charge in selecting a new disciple that, to replace Judas. And then this, this event, this day of Pentecost uh, comes that we find in, in uh, the book of Acts chapter 2. And what Pentecost was, in case you're not familiar with it, was it, it was this event where there was this big violent wind that came upon the followers of Jesus. They were together, and there was this big violent wind that came. And then what seemed to be tongues of fire came down, and, and it says that it, they rested on each, each one of these followers of Jesus, and that, that these followers of Jesus then were able to, to speak in other languages, that they were able to speak in, in a bunch of different languages because the Holy Spirit was empowering them to do so. Well, what happened was that this violent wind that happened caused this such a commotion that it attracted a crowd. And so they were in Jerusalem and there were people from all these different nations from all over the place that, that spoke all different kinds of languages that came then to, to, to check out what was happening, where this uh, wind had happened. And they couldn't believe it because all these people were speaking their language. These people who were followers of Jesus in that, in that place who all looked the same, they all looked like they were part of the same ethnic group, were speaking the languages of all of these different people that were there in Jerusalem in their own native languages that day. And it says that some people thought they were just nuts. Like they stepped in, they saw what what was going on, they were like, yeah, these people are just, they're drunk, they had too much to drink, they're just kind of, they're they're crazy. But Peter was the one who in that moment said, no, I want to explain this. I want to step up to the plate and clarify things. And so he got up and he told everyone that there wasn't drunkenness here, that this was the next thing that God was doing. But this was the next step of this plan that God had. And so picking things up then in, verse, uh, in Acts 2, verse 22, and this is Peter talking to the, to the people who were there. He says this. He says, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. And so, again, this is Peter talking, and and here's Peter, the guy who was the fisherman, the guy who took two steps on the water and started to sink, the guy who betrayed Jesus when he when things got tough. And so after he had this conversation with Jesus around the campfire, and Jesus had reinstated him, he's the one who. When the Holy Spirit showed up in this really unique way, he's the one that stepped up and explained things to people and started talking to them about who this Jesus was and what they had done. And so Peter was the one who was empowered by the Holy Spirit, allowed the Holy Spirit to navigate. To, he followed the Holy Spirit's lead in giving direction about what God was up to in that moment and this incredible thing that he was doing. So let's read a little bit more in this story. Skipping ahead in verse 36, it says this. It says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Does any, can anybody give me a definition of the word repent? What does that mean? Yeah. To change your mind. Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's kind of like this 180 that happens, right? It's like you're headed this one direction, and, and uh, repent means to turn and go the, the other way. And so he says, each of you must repent. You're headed this way, and instead turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. It says that Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Again, that repent message was there. Those, it says that those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 people in all. Okay, so so Peter, with the help of the Holy Spirit, is announcing to the crowd boldly, this is who Jesus is. He's saying, do you guys realize who Jesus is? And he, he's telling them who he is, and it says that they were cut to their core, right? Like it, it pierced their hearts. This message that Peter was giving, like everybody who was around was feeling that that, that, convic- that conviction or that, that, ah, that, that piercing of their hearts. Uh, and, and so he, he challenged them to do a 180-degree turn and to begin to become followers of Jesus, to accept what he had done for them, on, for them on the cross, and to get baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And it says that 3,000 people decided to do that that day. Now, this is one story from the book of Acts. We don't have time to go through too many today. But this is one story where we see Peter step up to the plate and really be the type of person that feeds the sheep, like what, what Jesus had challenged him to, to do around the, the campfire. We see this guy who previously had just been all over the map. He was had so many ups and downs. He was just all over the place. And he was beginning to trust God in new ways and allow the Holy Spirit to lead, follow the lead of the Holy Spirit to direct him each step of the way. And so there's a similar thing that, that is true uh, with this uh, when it comes to you and I. There's a similarity here. As you and I seek to follow Jesus, as we, like, these people, like the people in the story, we get to the point where we feel we're cut to the heart by, by, by the message of Jesus and what he has done. When we get to that point and we make the decision to repent or to turn from our old way and begin to focus on living God's way and turn to him, we're given the gift of God's Holy Spirit and invited to begin to follow his lead, to allow him to navigate for us. And we follow him as the navigator. And it's that type of leadership that helps us go where God is directing us instead of just spending our lives kind of with our hands raised in the air and go back to whatever's familiar like Peter had been doing. Like, well, I guess I'll just go back and be a fisherman again because I'm not not sure what's next. Um, When it comes to when it comes to this idea of Holy Spirit navigating for us, there are, when I think about that in my mind and in my own experience, there's, there's, there's two ways that I've, that I've experienced this happening that I like to kind of think of it. I want to see if this, this maybe helps you as you kind of think about that. Learning to allow the Holy Spirit to navigate and learning to follow the, the Holy Spirit, there's kind of two different components or two types of navigation that, that happen. And the first one is kind of like a compass, all right, how many of you remember a compass, what a compass is? Okay. All right, everybody over 50. No, that's, that's not true. That's nice. Um, but there's this comp- a compass is sort of like a big picture directional thing. Right? It's, a, it's a big picture navigation. And that's the, kind of, that's, that's the kind of direction that you would get from a compass. It's just telling you, okay, you're going to go this way. Right? You're just, you're just going to head this direction. It's kind of like when Jesus was talking to Peter around the fire and he said, look, what I have for you next is to feed sheep. I want you to feed my sheep. And so it's not really specific. It's just kind of this general, like, hey, this is the direction we're headed. And there's, there's a lot of times in our lives where when we, seek the, we ask the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us and we want to follow what the Holy Spirit's telling us to do, that that's what the navigation looks like. Is it sort of this, this general thing, this big picture, compass-like direction, like just head head north or head northwest, and that's what we do is head that way. But at other times, the Holy Spirit is a lot more specific. It's a lot more like a GPS, all right, where there's turn-by-turn there's turn directions, where you get to one point and you're like, all right, I need some leadership in, the, in this next thing. And you can sense God's Holy Spirit saying, okay, here's the you turn right in 200 yards, right? So you have this, this really, uh, and, and they don't, he doesn't necessarily tell you what the next step is. He just gives you this, this step, the next thing very specific of what I, what I want you to do. Now, if we were to read, to keep reading more of Peter's story in the book of Acts, we would see both of these types of direction. We'd see at times where the Holy Spirit was kind of like a compass in Peter's life. And so he was kind of following the Holy Spirit just more directionally. And then there were other times where we would see that the Holy Spirit was really, really specific. And, and Peter was obeying the Holy Spirit on a very specific tasks. And in my own life, I've, I've, I've seen and experienced that at different times where um, I felt like God was, was telling me, hey, I want you to go and encourage that person over there. I want you to go be an encouragement to them. Or I want, you to, I want you to give to this thing that's going on. Or I want you to um, ask so-and-so uh, how they're doing about this. Or I want you to, to shoot an email and check in on this. And so there's a lot of times in our lives where, where, where when we interact with the Holy Spirit, he acts like a GPS, where there's like something very specific that we sense him telling us to do. But then there's other times where, it's, where we might want that, <laughs> but all we feel like we're getting is more of just a general direction, like a, a compass type of navigation. And the challenge that we, that we face is we need to learn to accept and appreciate both of those types of leadership. When we talk about following the Holy Spirit's navigation, we need to accept both of those types of navigation. And when we invite the Holy Spirit to lead us either, in either of those ways, whether it's like a GPS or whether it's like a compass, we have the opportunity to experience the type of thing that Peter experienced as he sought to follow God as well. So as, I, as, I, as we think about this summer and heading into this new season, I want to encourage us, I want to encourage you and I want to encourage me to ask this question. And maybe it's something you want to ask every day, maybe it's something you just want to ask on a regular basis. And it's really simple and it's this. Holy Spirit, where are you leading me today? Holy Spirit, where are you leading me today. It's a great way even just to start your day with that, recognizing that and saying, I want, I want to follow your lead today. And whether that lead is a general just directional thing or whether that lead today is something very specific that you have in mind for me, it's a great prayer to, to, to start the day with. And I want to encourage you to consider doing that this summer. So Peter continued to seek the Holy Spirit's leadership, He continued to seek Holy Spirit's empowerment and direction. And God continued to use him in some really cool ways to point people to Jesus. And if you're familiar with his story, like I said, we can't go through all of it uh, today. But he experienced a lot of suffering. (laughs) He experienced a lot of difficulty. And as we we read some of these letters that he wrote, there's a theme that happens over and over again in these letters of of this idea of living between two worlds, this idea of following Jesus in the midst of, of suffering following the lead of the Holy Spirit in the midst of this difficulty and hardship and pain. And for Peter, in fact, although the details are a little bit spotty, tradition actually says that he eventually got to the point where he followed Christ till, to his death, that he actually was, um, he was actually crucified uh, for his faith, and he, and he got to the point where he was He felt like he was so unworthy to die the same way Jesus did that he asked that they would crucify him upside down, because he was so he just he he wanted to follow him but didn't feel worthy. And so Peter was somebody who, who at one point earlier on when he was all over the map, people were asking him, "Do you know Jesus?" "No, I don't know who Jesus is." But then as he as he as he continued to live, continued to follow the Holy Spirit's navigation, he got to the point where he was actually willing to give up his life for the sake of this message. Of who Jesus was, so what I want to do, excuse me, what I want to do uh, to wrap up this morning uh, is I want to just read uh, to you from the opening verses of First Peter, which is where we're going to start next week. We're going to start reading through his letter together. Uh, I want, this is this is in your outline. These are the first few verses there in 1 Peter, uh, chapter one. It says this. It says this letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. And I love how he opens this letter because he's not only addressing the, the people that are, are reading it. He's not only addressing them, but he's also sharing pieces of his story. He's, right off the bat, he says, look, I want you to remember that you're known by God, that he's chosen you, that his Holy Spirit is at work in you, that the sacrifice of Jesus has cleansed you, and that you need to continue to receive God's grace and peace. Uh, what I want to do is ask you, if you could pull out this bookmark again. Let's all pull that, uh, pull that out for a minute. And on the back side of this this bookmark, uh, is there's a memory verse at the top, which we're not going to talk about today. But then there's a prayer written out at the bottom. And What I want to do in closing this morning is I'd like to just close the message by praying this out loud together. This will be our our closing prayer together. So I I don't think you can read it on the screen. uh, So if you want to follow along, uh, we'll read this out loud together uh, right now. Jesus, as I live in the tension between the hardship of this world and the hope of your kingdom. Teach me to be pure. Is anybody reading with me? Okay, all right. <laughs> just checking, just checking. Teach me to be pure in my mind and actions, secure in who you've called me to be, ready to share the hope I have in you, joyful in suffering, humble in my faith, so that I can reflect your light as I live between two worlds. Amen. I want to ask you uh, to reach in. If you've been to Daybreak before, we, this is something we do every week. We ask you to pull out your response cards. And on the back of your card, there's a, a couple of blank lines. And really the goal of, of this is to just give you a way to respond to how, how God may have challenged you today. And my, my hope and prayer is that all of us will make an intentional decision this summer to spend some time uh, allowing God to speak to us. And so maybe, maybe your uh, challenge today is I, I'm going to invite Jesus to have some campfire moments with me this summer. Or maybe your, your challenge today is you're going to begin to ask the Holy Spirit to lead you on a daily basis. Or maybe there's another way that you've been challenged. But as these guides uh, lead us in this, uh, the next song, I want to invite you to respond uh, to that challenge today.